chair. Staff is ready when you are. Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Merker? Commissioner Root? Here. Commissioner Burns? Here. Commissioner Nayar is absent. Commissioner Montemayor? Here. And Chair McSlavkin? Here. Thank you. We have quorum. Great. Thank you. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you are online, click on the raise hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And if you are calling in via telephone, to raise your hand, dial star nine. Then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda, starting with the land acknowledgement from me because I forgot to ask anybody if they wanted to do it. So it's my turn. Please rise. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin-Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance from Vice Chair Root. I pledge allegiance to the flag for the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Please take a seat. Um, before we get started with our official agenda, we have a new commissioner, uh, and I was wondering if you wanted to say hello and introduce yourself. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Ian Merker. I'm a uh, licensed architect and uh, work in, here in Sacramento. Uh, very pleased to be here and serve the community. I have some experience with Sacramento Heritage, uh, another uh, uh, board from the past in the city, and uh, looking forward to serving on this commission. Great, thanks so much, great to have you. Our first business item today is the consent on the consent, consent calendar, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on, approval of the Preservation Commission meeting minutes. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Or is there a motion by any commissioner? We have a motion to approve from Commissioner Montemayor. Is there a second? And a second from Vice Chair Root. Uh, will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Merker? Vice Chair Root? Uh, yes. Commissioner Burns? Yes. Commissioner Nayar is absent. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. And Chair McSlofkin? Yes. Thank you, the motion passes. Um, great, thank you, Clerk. Just a reminder to all the commissioners and to myself to use the button system to request to speak and then I'll call on you for the mic to turn on and that will be that. We, um, we did so good last time, it was too good to be true. We'd nail, do like a perfect 10 the next time. We'll make it happen next time. We'll proceed now to the public hearing section of the agenda, beginning with item two, ordinance listing 1230 45th Street, the Alden Anderson House, as a landmark on the Sacramento Register of Historic and Cultural Resources. Is there a staff presentation? 
Thank you, Chair McSlavkin. Yes, um, I'm actually going to be acting as, uh, as uh, our presenters tonight for both of our items. So I'm gonna go down to the podium to present this item. Um, so just bear with me while I go around to the, to the podium and then I'll be presenting uh, this item. Uh, Chair McSlavkin and members of the Preservation Commission, Sean DeCourcy, Preservation Director with the Community Development Department, staff to the Preservation Commission. I'm pleased to present um, item number two, the landmark nomination for 1230 45th Street. The property owner retained historic environment consultants to prepare and submit a property-specific background research and historic resource evaluation form for 1230 45th Street, also known as the Alden Anderson House. The Alden Anderson House served as a residence for Alden Anderson, developer, bank president, former lieutenant governor of California, who significantly contributed to the growth of the Sacramento region in the early 1900s, making the property eligible for listing on the Sacramento Register under criteria two. The structure is a somewhat rare example of a prominent Sacramento architect, Harry Devine Sr., and was built by Azevedo and Samanto a prominent Sacramento construction firm, making the property eligible for listing on the register under criteria three. Finally, the building is a fine example of the French eclectic style with a distinct historic architectural elements intact. Significant features and characteristics of this architectural style that are present on the building include its originally painted brick construction with quinions of various sizes, decorative brick frieze, clay tile roof, front-facing gable with the decorative arched entrance flanked by sconces, diamond-shaped brick vent in front on the front gable, casement windows with divided lights, matching brick wall in the rear and side yards, matching brick garage, brick chimneys with slight brick detailing, making the building eligible for listing on the register under criteria four. This concludes my presentation for the Hale Marks House. Um, I'm sorry, for the Alden Anderson House. Um, and I'm available to answer any questions you may have. Just notice there's a typo on this slide. <laughs> so my apologies for that. Great, thank you so much, Chair DeCourcy. Um, did we have a question from Commissioner Montemayor? I'll go ahead and just address uh, it. Yeah, I think you might have the wrong address too. My apologies, the photograph is correct. Yeah, the photograph is correct. I think that was the correct photo from the staff report, That's, but the house should be Alder, Alden Anderson and at 1230 45th Street. Thank you for the for record. <laughs> Good catch. Um, other commissioner comments or, or questions for Director DeCourcy? I've got one. Um, I was curious to learn more about Alden Anderson and He's clearly significant in terms of all of his titles and being Lieutenant Governor, but so many people with all of these kind of titles at that time and his position also like didn't said a lot of terrible things. And I was curious to hear more about him if what we know beyond kind of like his CV. All we know is what's been presented to us in the okay. um, historic resource evaluation. So. The, uh, I think the most, um, and the most, we, we don't all, I, I, should, I should note that we don't always accept the recommendation for eligibility under this criteria just for that uh, reason, that not everyone who lived in East Sacramento in the 1920s um, is significant. You know, they may have owned a, they may have owned a business, they may have uh, been members of fraternal organizations, but that alone isn't enough. But I think for Alden Anderson, the reason that we uh, did recommend eligibility under this criteria is because of his position as Lieutenant Governor. Similarly, um, nearby is the house that Ronald Reagan lived in when he was governor. That house similarly would be recommended under the same criteria um, for Ronald Reagan's uh, position as governor. Mm -hmm. Does any house that anyone of a certain title lived in get landmarked? I think Governor and Lieutenant Governor would be eligible under this criteria. 
uh, but not anyone with, uh, with any, any formal title. I don't think the preservation director Understood. And would be More a thought exercise, and then I'll stop than anything, but if we had a governor, a lieutenant governor, who we all knew did some super horrible stuff, would their house get landmarked? I don't know. We'd have to look into that further. Okay. Um, yeah, that's an, it's an interesting question, and it's one we're wrestling with right now in historic preservation is, um, you know, if you dig deep enough into anyone's past, right. you can find some horrible things that they did. And I don't know um, exactly what the reputation or the, the legacy of Alden Anderson was as Lieutenant Governor for his administration. Um, but yeah, that's something we could look into further. It's also within the commission's purview to not recommend it for listing under that criteria. And the ordinance could be amended to remove that criteria. Um, if you thought there wasn't enough information to address that question. I mean, I don't feel that. I mean, he clearly seems significant, and I have no evidence or information of anything otherwise. I looked and couldn't find anything, which just was curious if you had any more information. Um, and I think I'm wary generally, and this feels like it's, it is significant, and it's a landmark because it is. I'm wary of celebrating or, like, heroizing people who may not deserve it and worry about potentially doing that in this case. But to me, it doesn't seem like a risk in that it's the house we're really talking about. It's really the moniker. And I also don't have anything to add. This was kind of a hypothetical. Um, I do think that the other two criteria are pretty solid, and we're not going to find out um, any more information about those other right. criteria. The, the architect is certainly significant. The architectural style is certainly significant. So leaving out the, the property owner and that criteria is not, um, doesn't make the landmark any less protected in the future. It doesn't make it any less eligible. So like I said, it's within your purview. Um, staff would support that. I appreciate that. I, I want to be careful in that for all I know, this guy may very well be a hero and I don't want to imply otherwise by asking this. I was you know, curious and appreciate your responses. Um, it looks like we've got some other questions. We'll move on to Vice Chair Root. Great, thank you, Chair. Um, uh, Director DeCourcy, I was wondering if we could um, maybe explore um, uh, having the criteria follow more closely the California Register criteria when it pertains to significant individuals, which are pretty clear in that, you know, the people have to have achieved significance while living in the home or their or their significance was achieved while living in the home. Um, so, you know, generally you would find historic uh, significance for something like Walt Whitman writing, you know, his poems in the cabin that it's based on. But if uh, in this case, you know, Lieutenant Governor, his role as Lieutenant Governor is served and best associated with the city, cap or with, the, with the capital, um, I don't, uh, it may warrant better, or may warrant a review in terms of how we identify uh, significance of individuals associated with houses, residences. Um, I think it's, I, I think this house uh, is a prime example of French Eclectic, and I think the, it's a good example of Harry Devine Senior's work. Um, I think the argument of, you know, eligibility for an individual is a lot harder to make. And if we can stand up on one or two of the criteria, we don't necessarily need to swing for all of them. Um, just more of a general comment. Thanks. Uh, just, just building off of the um, previous chair's comments or, or questions, if, if it was found that um, Anderson was not necessarily the, the, the best uh, uh, person of prominence. We do have information about Harry Devine and, and, and the significance of, of that architect and, and the uniqueness of, of this design as a house and not a, a commercial building. Um, recent example I can think of is uh, the formerly known as Gady or Gouda House that's now known as the Julia Morgan House uh, owned by Sac State. Uh, so would it be... Uh, a recommendation of the city if 
something were to uh, surface about uh, uh, Anderson uh, that, that was negative, would it be a recommendation that you not call the property the Anderson House and possibly call it the Divine House or some, or some other naming? That could be explored. The, um, the name of the house uh, is, has, there's somewhat some subjectivity there, and this, that was what was recommended by the consultants, but there's no reason why the house couldn't be named um, after the architect or someone else who lived there. Um, these reports typically come with the recommendation to name it after the first owner who commissioned the property. That's just general, generally their practice. But there's no reason. There's there's lots of subjectivity in naming a property. But I should add that the ordinance before you to consider has this name, uh, well, not this name, but has the Alden Anderson House uh, as the name on the property. So if the commission wishes to call it the Divine House, that's uh, that's within your uh, jurisdiction to amend that ordinance. This is a recommendation to city council. So anything about the ordinance, the ordinance is a draft at this point. Anything you want to change, criteria, name, the property, it's, it's, all, um, it's all up for discussion and decision. If you, an idea that occurs to me that, and I'm not sure I'd kind of defer to you on the process, because in my, I, I feel like the other commissioners made good points that this meets a number of different criteria, and it's not that we're talking about some, you know, very indistinguishable, not recognizable house, but just because this guy lived in it, we're talking, that it meets these other criteria, it feels like this should move forward. I do feel like it's worth at least like a little more check on the person himself, and I wouldn't want to us to fully like print the bronze plaque and put it up on this house and all of that and then later hear some horrible quotes he said and we all regret it. Is there some mechanism where staff could do just a bit more digging on that front? Could we even advance it now like pending that or any suggestions on how we might approach that? So I would feel more comfortable if the commission were to remove that as a criteria and move it forward on the other two criteria if there were a plaque application in the future, we could do more research and determine uh, what should be on that plaque. But I would rather have that clear in the ordinance and just as a, in terms of context, this property owner has applied for a Mills Act contract and that Mills Act contract, those go once a year and this is scheduled for a Mills Act uh, to be recommended for a Mills Act contract next month. So a delay would push that out to next year and delay the tax incentives that accompany that contract uh, because we can't process it. That's good context. And I don't, I don't want to do that just in the interest of maybe we might want to change a plaque in the future or something. Um, I'll, it looks like we've got a comment from Commissioner Montemayor. Thank you, Chair. Um, and I appreciate the context given by the Commission so far because this helps frame my procedural question and then I have a follow-up comment. So I used to pre prepare historic um, like 50-year studies and all that for when I was a planner. And I remember it's usually like volunteers that prepare these reports for procedural sakes, like how, who prepares these reports? Um, is it a consultant, is it staff? Historic Environment Consultants is a consulting firm um, that's worked in Sacramento for a very long time. Um, and they, they're typically hired by property owners um, but from time to time are hired by developers uh, to evaluate properties. So they are a professional um, firm that meets the Secretary of Interior standards. Paula Bogosian has been practicing in Sacramento dating back to the 70s. Um, and her partner Don Cox um, has been, he does not have a, a degree in historic preservation, but he's been practicing uh, for decades at this point. Because mm -hmm. usually when folks prepare these reports, they're just trying to add in whatever detail that they can find that has historical ties to it. And But there is um, some teeth to this because we're passing, an, we're adopting an ordinance, correct? So if, if we're trying to adopt an ordinance, it'll be really hard to revert that. Um, so I agree with the commission's like you know stance where it's like, 
if we try to approve something now, my, we might regret it later because it's, it's being adopted as an ordinance. I don't know anything. The, my position of approving this and saying yes um, to designate as a historic, uh, as a landmark nomination is because of the architect. I mean, reading the report though, it was very heavy on um, this individual, but I didn't really see the significance in the individual. I saw I was really leaning more into the architect. Um, so I just want to put like say that if we were to adopt this ordinance, we're really doing it for the architect of the house, not because of the individual. Um, whoever this person was and who was in Sacramento, he made a lot of achievements, and a lot of the report was written to that person. But I imagine whoever was preparing the report was just gathering whatever historical evidence that was tied to the house is what I'm imagining. That's why there's such a heavy most most of that report is talking about that person. Um. Appreciate the context, and I, I agree that like the house and the architect, that it's significant and all of that. I'll be honest with you, there was a phrase in the report that made me suspect, it talked about this guy being like head and shoulders above the rest of Sacramento, and I needed more to back that up other than he was like a wealthy white dude in 1910 Sacramento. Um, so I don't see any, any more questions from the commissioners. I'll go ahead and make a motion to approve uh, the ordinance, it's two, I don't I need to pull it up in front of me, both parts of the ordinance, um, and add an amendment that we ask staff to do a little more research on this guy to inform any future placking or outreach or educational resources we may develop around resources. But to me, that feels separate from moving this house forward today. Is there a second? Vice Chair Rudin, sorry. Can you, uh, can you clarify what you're asking us to vote on? Approving, uh, approving the landmark nomination as it currently stands, and then is there a separate request to have staff further look at and or review the ordinance? They're, they're two separate asks. Sorry, and thank, apologies for the confusion and thank you for asking. Ask number one is approve the ordinance as it is right now, period. Ask number two, separately, is ask staff at our next meeting to share a bit more information about Alden Anderson that they have researched. I don't know if we need to make a motion to ask them to request additional information. I, I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, we're not asking that as a vote, right? We don't need to ask them to vote to. Uh, yeah, Courtney, go ahead. Well, you can. I mean, ask it as part of the motion. Uh, I, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page, right? When we nominate, we can do it based on various bases. So we can just cross one out, and it can go forward based on these other two. We don't have, you know, I mean, you shouldn't feel constrained to forward it based on all three if you feel like there's not sufficient support for the based on what would associated with, what's the wording, Sean? Significant people. And what are the other two that we're nominating it under? The designer, the architect, and the design itself, the architectural style. Both of which, so we could just delete this part of the ordinance. That's, and... what, I, that's what I would prefer. Okay. Um, so yes, you can direct staff by motion, in terms of how landmarks get listed, there's no real way to, to forward that in, to, to roll that into this process. It's something different. I, uh, I don't know. Sure, go ahead. I, I would be supportive of moving the ordinance forward and maybe just preparing a memo. I don't think we need a whole presentation. It could just be like a follow-up memo um, since our chair has interest in Alden Anderson um, maybe like just a simple memo follow-up to this item. I don't think that has to be made public, does it? If it's shared with the Preservation Commission? It would. Um, yes, it would be a public record. And um, ultimately, um, I, I just don't know if, if staff has the resources to do that kind of research, which they've hired a consultant to do. And so I only just am bringing this up is ultimately 
staff as the preservation director and secretary of the commission sets the agenda and the work plan that he has to get approval from city manager. So if, if they don't, if they don't want Sean working on that right now, they won't, <laughs> he won't work on that. So also, if I can just add the, if you move the ordinance forward and we do additional research and we find out that this significant person is not significant, once you've made the recommendation to move the ordinance forward as it stands, we have to move it forward. The code says it it shall go to the to the city council for their review and determination. So if you move the ordinance forward as it stands without amending it, and that memo or additional research comes back and you don't like what it says, there's no recourse for you other than speaking at the city council meeting and objecting. Um, so that's why I would recommend amending the ordinance, uh, either amending the ordinance now um, to remove the criteria for significant persons or to, to uh, postpone the item. If you, if you were to ask for, the, for us to go back and do additional research and return this item, it'll affect the Mills Act contract, as I mentioned, so that you'll have to consider that. But, but that's an op those are the two options that I think are the most uh, legally sound in terms of the code, either remove the criteria from this ordinance or postpone it and ask us to go back and do additional research and bring it back. Do you agree? Yes, you said it much more artfully than I did. Yeah, once you move it today, it, we're on the train. There's various things we're checking off in the code to move it forward. So now would be the time, if you're not comfortable with it, to stop it or postpone, as Sean said. Understood. Thank and apologies for all the confusion. I feel in a weird spot because I don't like doing anything feels like preemptively canceling this guy for no reason just because I like had an idea at the meeting and I don't want to do that. I also don't want to delay this application that it seems we all agree meets the criteria for these other reasons. It sounds like if we remove the criteria, we're not voting any sort of yay or nay on the value of this person. We're just not even talking about the person in the name. We're talking about the architect and we're talking about the house. So I move we do that and, and vote on the motion as it is, removing the criteria, hoping someone can help me with the technical language, specifying the significance of the individual who lived there as one of the criteria we're voting on. Criteria two, city code criteria two. Criteria two. Would be removed from the ordinance. Is, the, is there? Uh, I'd like to make a motion that we move the ordinance listing for 12304045th Street forward uh, for its significance uh, for its architectural style and architect, uh, but remove uh, criterion two. And I second that with appreciation to Vice Chair Root for the clarity. Before we do a roll call vote, I didn't receive any speaker slips from anyone in chambers, and I had no hands raised online for public comment. Uh, so now <clears throat> I'll do the roll call vote. Uh, Commissioner Merker. Aye. Vice Chair Root. Yes. Commissioner Nayar. Absent. Commissioner Montemayor. Yes. And Chair McSlofkin. Yes. Thank you, the motion passes. Oh, my apologies. Um, <laughs> uh, Commissioner Burns. Yes. Thank you, the motion passes. Great, thank you so much. Um, and Chair DeCourcy, I understand the, the, the restraints on work and the process for the designation. I was thinking about like the plaques we're working on for other properties around the city and other kind of after the fact educational activities that the city engages in around our historic resources. And when it when makes sense and is possible, more information on this guy does still feel useful in how we might talk about the house moving forward. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. If, uh, if you wanna continue talking about this, maybe on uh, commissioner comments, ideas and questions, because okay. we, uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept because we, the, yeah, I could explain the process of plaques a little more. Got it during that segment and we could talk about how that's done. 
Um, well, thank you again, and we'll now proceed to the discussion calendar section of the agenda with item three, African-American Experience History Project, final draft historic context and the historic building survey findings with a staff presentation again from Director DeCourcy. All right, thank you, uh, Chair McSlavkin, for the introduction. Um, I'm pleased to present the final draft of the African-American Experience Project. Um, <clears throat> beginning in late 2021, City's historic preservation staff began overseeing a history project to better understand African-American historical contributions and experiences in Sacramento. This project has been termed the African-American Experience Project or commonly referred to as the AAE Project. Funded through a $50,000 grant from the National Trust for Historic Preservation, staff and our consultants Paige and Turnbull have set about drafting a historic context statement, developing oral history interview collection, and documenting individual historic buildings and sites associated with significant people and events that exemplify the African-American experience in Sacramento. The AAE project reflects best preservation planning practices and builds upon our prior efforts during the past decade to highlight significant ethnic historical resources in the city. This project was a direct response to the tragic deaths of Stephon Clark and George Floyd and the nationwide dialogue stemming from incidents of racism and discrimination. The project demonstrates the city's commitment to educating the public about the history of Sacramento's black community and the roots of systemic racism and social inequity in our society. It is also a response to current trends among individuals and organizations who seek to curtail teaching about uncomfortable aspects of America's past. The final project deliverables reflect the project mission statement and justify its use as a reference document that will enhance the city's effort to highlight significant historical resources associated with the black community and lay a foundation for future efforts at racial healing. The context statement is not a comprehensive history of Sacramento or the African-American community's contributions in the city. Rather, it provides a general overview of the community's presence in Sacramento and, forces, and the forces that shaped its growth, settlement, and activities. The document also provides a context for understanding which buildings and sites are worthy of recognition and historic preservation. Over 41 oral histories were collected as part of the project. These oral histories will become part of a living oral history collection processed and made accessible by the Center for Sacramento History. Members of the community are welcome to contribute by continuing to add to this collection <clears throat> using the online submittal tools developed as part of the project. With assistance from Sacramento State students, we identified 53 historic resources during the project. Of those, 12 are recommended as eligible for listing in the Sacramento Register. 11 are already listed on either the Sacramento Register, California Register, or the National Register, and the others may require additional research, but may be eligible for listing on these registers in the future. During the project, staff partnered with Preservation Sacramento to apply for a supplemental grant from the National Trust with the goal of creating a community stipend program. The stipend program provided a total of $10,000 in stipend to community members and organizations who contributed to the project. The project public outreach effort received support from a vast network of community partners, the city's community engagement manager, and the senior advisor to the mayor. We collected feedback at a total of 16 public meetings in various neighborhoods across Sacramento, including engagement with a large network of black churches in the city. Much more remains to be documented and shared about Sacramento's African-American community, including the greater Sacramento region beyond the city. This may include publishing books, articles, or creating exhibits from research already conducted as part of this project. The research finding compiled may be used to support future grant and other funding opportunities to support efforts to recognize black historic sites. The project can be used to support local and statewide reparations efforts or future grant funding for placemaking projects and other forms of public historical interpretation. This project provides a solid intellectual foundation to make all of these ideas possible. This concludes my summary of the project and I'm available to answer any questions. Great, thank you so much. Uh, do we have any questions from the commission? 
I'll uh, kick us off with, oh, we've got Commissioner Merker. Go ahead. All right, one question about the outreach efforts. Uh, the report shows uh, attendance at each of the individual um, outreach events. Was there any uh, record of uh, uh, repeat attendees or uh, unique attendees among those uh, outreaches? We did not track that information, um, and I should add that um, the reason that those numbers are indicated in most cases as approximate is we rely on people to sign in the sign-in sheet um, to collect their to collect the number of attendees. So we have not analyzed how many repeat attendees there were. I can guarantee there were some. However, just an anecdotal observation was that each meeting tended to be mostly new faces. We did not have a lot of people who came to every meeting, um, even sort of our standard preservation uh, community that we expect at preservation events and meetings um, did not come to every meeting. They were also sort of sporadic. They were repeat uh, attendees, but they, they came uh, from time to time. So we had a few of those. We also had uh, project partners that we identified early in the project, and they sent representatives, not always the same representatives, but they sent representatives to various meetings. But it was mostly, um, it was mostly different people at each meeting. We also, as I mentioned, these were in different regions of the city, and that drew different people just based on geography, and that was the intent, was to make it accessible to people in their communities so that different, we could, we could reach different communities based on the meeting location. So. Great, thank you. Um, first, I wanted to say like bravo and congratulations on, I know this has been from just getting the funding to do this to actually doing this and these meetings that not every conversation at all of these meetings was easy to have and that you and your team got it all done and did such a great job is very commendable and thank you for the, all of that. Um, my two questions, one fairly minor one, one of the public comments that we received in the supplemental mater materials, this email from Lauren Hammond identified, at least what she says are a few typos or errors. Have those been reviewed and corrected if necessary? Those were, if you notice the date when that email was sent, it was uh, much earlier in the project. And those, um, I just thought, I just included that because Lauren Hammond is a prominent individual and she does sort of give us congratulations at the end of that uh, email. There were other emails as well that didn't include as much sort of personal information or uh, accolades that were sort of just, you need to address this, you need to address that, that weren't included in the public comments um, that have also been addressed. Uh, but I tried to collect a summary of uh, public comments that, um, of the people that wrote at the end, um, and then Lauren Hammond. Got it. Um, my, my other question was on another of these letters, the one that came from Preservation Sacramento. Um, one just a note that I thought was very cool, that one of, they had two, they said our sincere hope is that this project spurs two equally necessary outcomes. One of those was the continuation of these efforts engaging in further research and outreach regarding historic properties throughout the city of Sacramento associated with other underrepresented communities. And that we just secured this LGBTQ grant from the state, feels like a big step forward in like this being one of many we're gonna keep doing and not the end, so that's very encouraging. There are other requests I, I share and see a lot on us as a commission to make happen. I lost it in the letter um, here. First, the creation of new landmarks and historic districts listed in the Sacramento Register of Historic and Cultural Resources based on the information revealed by this report. And I'm curious your thoughts on how we can do that and that from having been here a year, most of the applications we get and the people who hire, they're not from underrepresented community. The people who hired the consultants to do these environmental reviews are not from underrepresented communities. So how can we use this as an opportunity to fix that process and get more going? Well, initially our, our next steps are to address, we, I mentioned we documented 12 individual properties that we're recommending as eligible. And those are recommended as eligible because they've been evaluated and documented by, primarily by students, by either by our, our interns or uh, the Sacramento State Public History class uh, documented these, these 12 resources. We've had, have an intern who I'll introduce in a moment um, who's been working on, on editing those and getting them uh, up to a professional standard. 
and we are now in the process of doing outreach to property owners and inquiring about um, having a meeting with them, explaining to them what listing as a, as a landmark would mean, and initiating that process. Um, I also mentioned there's a number of resources listed on the National Register. Some of those are not listed on our local registers, such as the New Helvetia Historic District or the, um, the restaurant in Oak Park, it's escaping me now, um, Dunlop Steining Room. Um, that resource is listed on the National Register, not our local register. So those are other resources that we think we can move uh, right away at, with a landmark nomination as soon as we do outreach with the property owners and, um, and do our due diligence there, and then bring forward a landmark, uh, hopefully a batch of landmark nominations that will address those. Then I mentioned there are um, uh, the, the majority of properties, really, that have been identified in the survey as potentially significant, and this may be a place where the commission or Preservation Sacramento or volunteers or our student assistants can help with, and that is we need to document those and justify their significance and go through an analysis to make sure they are uh, eligible for listing and then those those could continue to be listed. And they are the majority of properties just due to the resources we had uh, in our documentation program. Great, thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Root. Just real quick, um, this is the third or fourth time we've reviewed this and um, I just have to echo everyone's sentiments that I'm very excited to see this one, um, you know, moving towards and at hopefully here in a second, uh, crossing the finish line, at least on our side. Um, going back to what you're saying about the nominations, I'm excited to hear that you're already working towards the 12 that have um, been identified as eligible and moving them towards landmarks. Um, you mentioned some uh, opportunity for the remaining 30 to be studied by other groups and um, I wanted to know if there had been any outreach to the public history program to see if they, because they have the public history class and they have to do a final DPR, maybe just partnering with them over a course of a couple of years of um, having them do that as their final report or something to that effect m might be a potential, um, just, just a comment, but thank you. We can look into that, thank you. Um, Clerk, do we have any comments from members of the public? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Um, unless there are any other comments from commissioners, then that is all for that. Thank you so much, Director DeCourcy. Um, except, do we? Yes, uh, the recommendation is to uh, pass a motion recommending oh, that City Council accept the... I was confused with discussion calendar. My mistake, apologies. Um, is there a motion to pass a motion or a... Uh, you asked for public comment, Chair? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I will make a motion to recommend the City Council accept the African American Experience Historic Context Statement and the Historic Building Survey findings concerning potentially historically significant resources. Is there a second? Second. Mr. Montemayor seconds. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Merker? Yes. Commissioner R Vice Chair Root? Yes. Commissioner Burns? Yes. Commissioner Nayar is absent. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. And Chair McSlavkin? Yes. Thank you. The motion passes. Great, thank you, and apologies again for skipping the vote. Next on our agenda is the director's report with Director DeCourcy, three in a row. I'm on a roll. Um, thank you, Chair. Yes, I do have some items for the director's report tonight. Um, I mentioned during the last item that, uh, that we have some student assistants working with us on, our, um, on the African American Experience Project. Um, they're also helping us uh, currently with the Mills Act, and we have our students here tonight. I invited them to attend to, to watch the commission. Um, and uh, we have Ella Cross on the left and Derek Roberts on the right. They are both public history graduate students who uh, have been extremely helpful 
uh, particularly in the last few weeks when we've been very busy to, uh, to help us with some of these items that we're trying to move forward. So I wanna really thank them for, uh, for stepping up. They've only been with us a few uh, weeks, perhaps a month, um, but have, um, have fit right in and, and really stepped up to help us with a lot of our uh, projects that we're trying to move forward. So thank you, Ella and Derek. Um, <clears throat> next, we, uh, I just wanted to point out a few things that the office is engaged in uh, at the moment. So we continue to work uh, with our outreach to property owners in the proposed Southland Park Hills Historic District. We're revising the Historic District Plan and have post that, posted that on the city website and are soliciting additional comments from property owners. Um, we received some uh, comments at the last commission meeting that questioned some elements of the draft and we've so had some commissioner comments. So those have all been incorporated into the historic district plan at this point and we're seeking additional comment. We may be bringing that back to a future meeting um, to, to discuss, uh, to, to give the public a chance to, uh, to comment again on, on those drafts before we bring a, a nomination forward. Um, I did want to mention that last night the City Council approved the Historic District Plan and amendments to the Sacramento Shops Historic District. So that has been um, enacted and that Historic District will be uh, published on the website and the uh, ordinance will go into effect in 30 days pursuant to the City Code. Um, I also mentioned earlier that we have Mills Act contracts that will be uh, recommended next month. We have four of those contracts going to City Council for approval. And, uh, and that's about what we've been averaging each year, uh, four or five contracts. We process them once a year in the fall. And um, so we're happy to see those coming forward. We also had a flurry of additional applications um, not submitted, but um, contemplated and people contacting us as we reached our deadline. Uh, so we anticipate next year we'll have uh, as many or more Mills Act contracts coming forward. So that concludes my uh, update and I'll turn it back to the chair. Thank you so much. Um, one quick question for me. Uh, curious what the latest is on that LGBTQ plus grant. We so dramatically found out we got the money at our last meeting. Now what happens? Sure. Um, so we have been uh, preparing. Well, we need to receive a grant contract from the State Office of Historic Preservation. That's supposed to come this month. Um, that reminds me. I have one other thing after I answer this question, if I can, if you'll indulge me, um, that I forgot to mention on the uh, director's report. So the um, so we're and we're waiting on a contract from the State Office of Historic Preservation. Once we get that contract, we'll have to route it for signatures. We are in the process of preparing a RFP, which requests a consultant. That has to be reviewed and approved by the state office pursuant to the contract terms. And we will um, actually just contacted the state office today to see how that submittal process will go. And uh, we should submit that RFP by the end of the week uh, for their review. And it essentially reiterates the um, the terms described in the application for the grant. So it uh, sort of has to. So the one other thing that I wanted to mention um, as part of the director's report is that the city has a new National Register listed historic district. Um, I attended the State Historical Resources Commission um, on the 4th of August and the State Historical Resources Commission recommended the Montgomery Way Gateway Historic District to be listed on the National Register. There was, um, there wasn't, there was, there was considerable owner objection to listing, but the, to, to officially object for a private property, the, um, there must be 51% of property owners who formally object and only 30% had formally objected. So it was somewhat of a split, um, a split a neighborhood <laughs> or block uh, in terms of listing versus not listing, but in the end they didn't have the 51% the required to block the nomination and the commission um, was not swayed by the, by the arguments uh, in, uh, opposed to listing and the district was listed on the register or recommended for listing on the register by the keeper, which is essentially a formality at this point and it will be listed and it's automatically listed on the California register. 
So the district boundaries are from East Curtis Way to Franklin Boulevard and either side of the, of the block on Montgomery Way, one parcel deep. So just to the, to the back of the property line. So that will conclude my uh, director's report. Any questions for Director DeCourcy from the commission? One, I guess one more from what you just said. What was the nature of all that opposition? That sounds like a lot. I, I think that the, the nature of the opposition was largely misunderstanding about what listing on the National Register means, and that's what a lot of the, the comments from the commissioners focused on was that listing on the National Register is a largely honorary um, designation, and it doesn't come with it actually doesn't come with any local restrictions pursuant to our code. We address properties listed on the on the Sacramento Register. Um, if someone were to propose demolition or significant mm -hmm. alteration of a resource, then we would, of course, comply with CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act. But for um, for our our typical projects, we uh, we would exempt those from CEQA, and and they wouldn't receive the same site plan and design review that we that we give to a, a resource listed on our local register just by virtue of being listed on the national register. But that wasn't, all of that nuance was lost on the people opposed to it. And the, the commission tried to explain that. And actually at one point I got called up and asked to address, address that. And I said that, um, and, uh, and the commission um, voted to, to list it anyway. Um, all right, well, thank you so much, Director DeCourcy. We will move on to commissioner comments, ideas and questions not on the agenda. Anything from our commission? Nothing? Um, I'll just say thank you for indulging the conversation earlier and sorry for doing it so untactfully, read the rules and what we were actually voting on. Um, but it did get me thinking about moving forward, wanting more information on these people. And I know that it is obviously different the the historic nature of whatever building we're landmarking and the whatever reputation of the individual involved are not always the same, but looking back in Sacramento's history, there are lots of things and places and schools named after people that I like very much wish they weren't now, and I don't want to be a part of that moving forward. So as we, I guess I'm just saying out loud, I'll try to do more research and encourage the rest of us and staff in the commission um, where we can to avoid it in the future. Do we have any uh, comments from members of the public? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Great. All right. Well, with that, um, congrats on your first meeting, and thank you, everyone. We'll adjourn. And thank you to you both. I meant to say that when he was talking before. Apologies. that